Would you like to give a shout out to your dad for my new show? Yeah, I'd love to. Hey, dad, keep flying high. Love ya. G'day, dad. G'day to my old man. G'day, dad. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Who is in heaven? Hi, dad. Do you want to say hi to your dad? Hi, dad. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Thanks for everything, dad. Hi, dad. Hello, pop. Happy birthday, dad. Hi, dad. How's it going, dad? Thanks, dad. Hello, papa. Oi, Javi, old bastard. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Uh, I hope you're well. Uh, I, I love you. Hey, dad. Hey, dad. Hi, dad. Where the hell are you? G'day, dad. Hey, dad. Yes. It's time for Father Figures, the show all about dads. Lovely to hear lots of them get a shout-out in the intro. Uh, I certainly do enjoy hearing that. Uh, It's just ticked over 7.30 and you're listening on Sin Nation. And as always, you can join in at facebook.com slash figures. My name's Victor and I have a massive hour of all things dad for you lined up. And uh, before I jump into this week's episode... I'd just quickly like to thank last week's guests who came on and had a chat about Dads in Sport. Uh, The show would not be possible without all these lovely people who take time to speak to me and get involved. And you can check out the previous episodes on Facebook or sin.org.au. And quickly on last week's theme of Dads in Sport, uh, a Sydney Morning Herald journalist who wrote an editorial about Bernard Tomic and his dad a father and son we discussed last week, has claimed he has received threatening phone calls from Bernard's father, John Tomic, after he wrote the article. And he posted a transcript of the phone call a few days ago, and it's pretty ugly. Uh, Factual or not, uh, John Tomic is certainly a negative example of dads heavily involved in their kids' sport. But let's not dwell on that and get the ball rolling this week. So the theme for this week is stepfathers. And basically, that's just a non-biological dad who assumes a parenting role. And stepdads come about through lots of different reasons, but most commonly when a man has a relationship with a woman who has previously had kids. And over 20% of Australian kids actually live with step-parents, so stepdads are far from uncommon. I'll speak to John who is the stepfather to seven kids, along with having two kids of his own. I also talked to Maddie about her relationship with her stepdad and her biological dad. And I also interviewed Deakin University professor Gregory Tooley about his research comparing biological fathers and stepdads. He is very interesting, discusses how stepparents are not biologically programmed to... uh, raise their stepchildren. So we'll get to all that sort of topical, inspirational and very interesting stuff later on in the show. And as always, we'll have some light-hearted dad celebrations with our regular segments. Tonight, I can't wait for our dadvertising. I've got a very funny commercial for all of you. And for once, yes, for once, the dad isn't portrayed as an idiotic father as they so often are in popular culture and we'll also get to the very embarrassing dad fashion dad joke of the week and dadisms so let's get underway and see what's happening in tonight's news bulletin 
TV program, My Life is Saved. I can make a fresh start. Thank you. Dead news! Dead news! It's time for Deads in the News. First dad making headlines tonight is none other than the President of the United States, Donald Trump. Recently, this father of five has been defending his eldest son for meeting with a Russian lawyer to get some dirt on Hillary Clinton. But Donald Trump tonight is making headlines on father figures for his speech at a National Boy Scouts jamboree. He did, I must admit, discuss the merits of becoming a Boy Scout but what took uh, my interest, and I'm not a very political person, but his uh, political jargon he thought was appropriate for the crowd of mostly young boy scouts. So let's have a listen to what he said, courtesy of CBC News. Who the hell wants to speak about politics when I'm in front of the boy scouts, right? A secretary of health and human services, and he's doing a great job. And hopefully, he's going to get the votes tomorrow to start our path toward killing this horrible thing known as Obamacare that's really hurting us. By the way, you're going to get the votes? He better get them. He better get them. Oh, he better. Otherwise, I'll say, Tom, you're fired. I'll get somebody. You know, I go to Washington. And I see all these politicians, and I see the swamp, and it's not a good place. In fact, today I said we ought to change it from the word swamp to the word cesspool or perhaps to the word sewer, but it's not good. By the way, what do you think the chances are that this incredible massive crowd, record-setting, is going to be shown on television tonight? One percent or zero? The fake media will say, President Trump smoke, and you know what this is. President Trump spoke before a small crowd of Boy Scouts today. That's some, that is some crowd. Fake media, fake news. By the way, just a question. Did President Obama ever come to a jamboree? <laughs> now, Mr. Trump, I'm not reporting fake news or denying you spoke to a large crowd, but come on, they're Boy Scouts. They want to know about not tying and lighting a fire with two sticks, not about how you're going to sack your Health and Human Services Secretary if he doesn't get rid of Obamacare. And uh, actually, the Chief Executive for the Boy Scout of America has since released a statement apologising for Trump's political speech that uh, has been likened to a rant from a drunken stepdad. So, next in dad news is also actually pretty cringeworthy. A father in America thought his son was living one hell of a lifestyle, so he hired a producer to create his son's life into a reality TV show. And guess what? It's now airing on MTV. The show stars his son, Alex, and his mates who like to party and live a lavish lifestyle in Siesta Key, an affluent neighbourhood in Florida. If you like uh, the reality show Laguna Beach, 
you'll enjoy this one. It even has the same exact producer. So good on Dad for thinking his son's life deserved its own TV show and it seems he had enough money to make it a reality. I haven't actually seen the show and I don't think I plan to, but New York Times uh, didn't agree with this dad's potentially biased opinion about his son's magnetism. They said his charms barely register on camera unless you count the size of his parents' house. Yes, and in sport, uh, we'll keep it local. So father of two young boys and St Kilda football club legend Nick Rerolt announced his retirement during the week. The former number one draft pick has played over 300 games of AFL and will finish up at the end of the year, most likely without a premiership medallion, which is a bit sad, but I'm sure all St Kilda fans will be licking their lips at the prospect of two father-son recruits in the future. So that's it for Dad News for this week, and I think it's about time we get into tonight's first taste of Dad-centric music. So having a show talking all about fathers... Obviously, it's only fitting that the music follows that trend too. So this artist is one of the hottest dads on the scene, in my opinion, and I'd say the greatest triple threat of all time. He can sing, he can dance, and he can act, and he's got a two-year-old son. Any ideas? That's Justin Timberlake, ladies and gentlemen. He also has two stepbrothers, which fits in with this week's theme of stepfathers. So this is proud dad Justin Timberlake with Senorita. Hi, this is Luke's father, and you're listening to Father Figures on Sin Nation. Unfortunately, I don't have the rights to podcast the music I play on Sid Nation. I guess that just means you'll need to listen live every Wednesday from 7.30pm for all the wonderful dad tracks. Just stream it at sin.org.au or listen on your digital radio. Justin Timberlake with Senorita, and you're listening to Fighter Figures on Sin Nation. Now, let's delve into companies who are using dads to promote their products. It's time for Dadvertising. Don't drop the dinosaur, Daddy! Mm, How'd you boys finish up the other night, eh? Jason, go and get your old man a beer, would you? Michael, go and get your old man a beer, would you? Jake, go and get your old man another beer, would you? No matter what your dad's into, we've got the gift of cedar. It's all here for your dad at Bunnings. Hi. Can I help you? I'm Michael. From Dialadad. But I'm his dad. Very nice intro there, and this week I've decided to take a look at a Canadian ad for cereal, and it's actually a refreshingly modern take on dadhood, so let's have a listen and then we'll have a chat about it. You awake? Yeah, of course I'm awake. Is that a new mask? Oh yeah. I love it, it's really creepy. I know, right? Yeah, good stuff. Thanks. Hey. 
Let me introduce myself. My name is, and proud of it, and all dads should be. You know why. Kids think we're awesome. We get our hands messy. We tell hilarious jokes. Hey, Nolan, we gotta get up, buddy. Big lazy. We never say no to dress up. We build the best forts. We do work, work, and we do homework. We lead by example, we blow their minds. Can't believe he's just flawless. I know, that is called a plot twist. Being awesome isn't about breaking rules, it's about making them. Hot stuff coming through. Wife and the coffee. And breakfast is for breakfast. Hey, Nolan, give me a look here. Suggestion, that's a boy, that's a man. But it's also for lunch, dinner, and midnight snacks. Scrape knees aren't boo-boos, they are badges of bravery on the playground. Hey, Victoria, that profile pic, awesome. When you're a dad, hugs can be bear hugs, but they can also be high fives, fist bumps, and next level handshakes. Kids, they're our best friends. They're our greatest fans. Buddy, you've been gaining muscle mass, nice. And they look to us like the same way we look at superheroes, up, because we're taller. Now, dadhood isn't always easy. When a rule is broken, we're the enforcement. Hey, buddy, it's garbage day. But when a heart is broken, we're the reinforcement. And we wouldn't have it any other way, because being a dad is awesome. Just like new peanut butter Cheerios are awesome. That's why it's the official cereal of dadhood. And this, this, my friends, you know you this is how to dad. Getting one back for the dads, isn't it? Uh, so instead of being presented with a typical bumbling dad figure that's often seen in ads, we're presented with a dad who is actually a multitasking superhero. Uh, you sort of missed it because uh, you couldn't see the visuals, but he's basically running around the house getting the kids ready for school whilst simultaneously getting himself ready for work. So it gives off a positive vibe on how to be a good dad. Uh, basically, you don't need to be super cool. You just need to be there and not a com- and not be a complete buffoon. But it has a nice balance of da- of the dad saying how awesome it is to be a dad whilst also self-mocking some of the s- typical things dads are known for, like being really, really funny. So I dig this ad. Uh, it's quick-paced and appealing, but most of all, dads are shown to actually enjoy their parenting and that they are capable of doing a good job of it. And, of course, at the end of the day, they do just want to sell cereal. But for once, we're seeing that dads can also be heroes and have a positive representation in advertising. And there are also heroes in the world of farter figures that aren't biological dads, like we all heard in that ad. And that smoothly, not so smoothly, but it still segues us to tonight's theme of stepfathers. Of course, not all heroes wear capes and not all stepdads are heroes, but I think it is genuinely genuinely a tough role to play. So stepdads can come about when they choose to partner with someone who has a kid from a previous relationship. The original family may not be together because the parents are separated or the biological father has passed away. I think the word step in itself... uh, already has some stigma about it and then there is probably some stigma surrounding stepdads in society Uh, but with divorces being far from uncommon in Australia step 
step parenting is seriously a reality for a lot of people and I can imagine the role stepdads play and the relationship they have is going to be wildly different for each situation there's no doubt about that but without a biological connection it would be tough for the kids and the stepfather at least at the beginning Uh, nonetheless I sort of feel like I don't have a massive amount of ground to stand on to cast an opinion on this so the first interview I'm going to play tonight is with John and he's had a really incredible and interesting journey through fatherhood, whether it be as a biological dad or a stepdad. His first wife was a divorced woman from Holland and she had three kids from the previous relationship when he married her. So he first became a stepdad and then they had two daughters together. Then she tragically passed away 10 years into their marriage. So John became not only a widower, but also a single dad. He later married his current partner, who had four kids from a previous marriage. So John, uh, get this, has now been the stepfather to seven kids and has two of his own. So I ask him about the differences between being a biological parent and then obviously a stepdad and just sort of how his journey went. Have a listen. With your first marriage, you were a, a stepdad before you had kids together? That, that is correct. That is correct. I was for a brief time before the birth of my first daughter, a stepfather. And those children were relatively young. They were from memory uh, 15, 13, 10, or around about that age. I was very lucky in the sense that those three children were... I found very, very pleasant young children because they were wary of me as a new person on the scene. Uh, but my late wife and I had known each other, I think, for about three years before we got married. So there was a fair degree of familiarity. Um, when we got married, I think they all lived with us for a little while. And then first the eldest went off to boarding school. But in answer to your question, we probably had the three of them here in the house for a year. And then my first daughter came along. So in one sense, it was their half-sister. But very thankfully, they have always treated my two natural daughters as their siblings. And they have, those five have always got on very, very well. So I was initially a stepfather for a year, then I was both a stepfather and a natural father. As first one daughter and then a second daughter followed about two years later. Um, and that essentially worked pretty well all during that period. Um, things changed a little bit after my first wife died, which was 10 years after that marriage. And probably that did affect the dynamic and the ongoing relationship. They went off and made their own way. But I had to, therefore, during the nine or ten years of that marriage, prior to my wife's illness and then ultimately her death, there were um, I was assuming the role of both stepfather um, and father. But I should say that their first father was financially supportive, but he lived overseas. And I got the impression that they found that difficult, um, quite emotional for them, not to see their... Uh, natural father as much as they would have liked. 
but that was all long ago, and of course, all grown up, and they're all in their forties. And do you think uh, you took a different parenting approach with your biological kids compared to your stepkids? Look, you do, I think, inevitably, because of the great natural love and affection you have for your own flesh and blood, um, and being back then a parent for the first time, that was a great thrill for me, as it is for many parents. You have an extraordinarily close connection to your own children, but I was deeply moved by the closeness of my three stepchildren to my, my daughters, which was always immensely uh, rewarding and encouraging for me to see that. So you try not to distinguish, but you invariably do distinguish. And of course, you probably leave a lot of the harder decisions to their mother, who was um, a very fine mother to all five. You probably step back a bit with some reservation about making decisions. You're aware you've come late in their life and there is always that slight sense of distance, but it, it really wasn't that pronounced. And by and large, at least from my observation, they may have a, a contrary view. It seems to me to work well. But again, to answer your question, I think you will always have a different relationship with your natural children. You probably have a greater ease as a parent in making decisions or trying to. You probably have a, a stronger connection whether you uh, want to or not. So the roles do differ. But the aim, of course, is not to make a stark difference and to try and be um, equal towards all. But I suspect one comes up short on that at times. I think you felt sort of pressure to try and win them over or anything like that? I never tried to win them over, to use your expression. I always thought that um, you, what you hope to have from stepchildren is that they would grow to respect you, uh, hopefully like you, and maybe even love you to some degree. But I didn't think it was ever beneficial to push them. You try not to act yourself unnaturally and try to unduly favour them. You just hope that they would see in you that you've got their best interests at heart. You encourage them. Um, they were, of course, all initially young teenagers and one was less than a teenager, pre-teen. So that, that you do that as best you can. But I never, ever adopted the view. I, I would always stand back and never try to encourage any artificial affection or encouragement. It either came or it didn't come. And hence, you were going to be judged by these very astute, because I'm very conscious, Vic, that young people are very astute and they know a lot more than you might think. They're a lot more perceptive. So you, all you can do is hope that you gain their respect and in due course, their affection. Yep. So that, that, I think that's the best answer I can give there. Mm -hmm. And uh, was it then, was it harder to sort of in disciplinary areas as well? Uh, just comparing your stepkids and your, your biological kids? Yes, yes. You always have much more confidence in discipline in your own children um, because you're probably conscious that the discipline that they might have faced long before you knew them could be of a different sort. Um, but nevertheless, there must be some basic ground rules. 
you one wants to be consistent in in uh, advising as to what is allowed and dispensing any punishment, not I hasten to say any corporal punishment. So again, in answer to your question, you, know, you you would defer to the natural parent. That was my modus operandi. Mm-hmm. Do you think so? Do you think there's a a, a big sort of difference with um, becoming a stepdad? Children are younger. No, yes, no, no question. Because they're more formed. They've had a long relationship with their own parents. Uh, I think your role is genuinely much less. There may be financial assistance that you, you're able to provide, which one does. Um, but it is a very, very different role than from taking on a young child. But I should say when I married my second wife, the, her children were then, from memory, uh, late teenagers, if not very early adulthood. So they were, in a sense, grown up. But I, but I can say, say for the eldest, who was giving some grief to her mother, um, they were remarkably pleasant young people to whom I have great natural affection towards, love and affection. And I think, I think and hope that's reciprocated, at least to some degree, but I have honestly never had any problems with them at all. And because they were very quickly adults and very quickly out into the world themselves, there was little role for me to play other than just to be a support um, whenever they came home or whenever they needed any assistance or advice. Do you think there was a sort of a, a, a there would be or there was a difference because in your uh, first relationship, the father was obviously overseas. So, um, you know, with the dad not being around, that sort of they gravitated towards you more as a father or? I don't think so. There was never any gravitation. They uh, were, that is, the two elder boys were were and were striving to be independent. I don't think they ever wanted any emotional dependence upon me. Um, Insofar as they were able to, they might have got that from their father. (laughs) But it, it wasn't for me to fill the gap because their mother's filled that very competently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as well, John, so your total immediate family, I think you said was 34 with partners. Yeah, I think that's right. So With partners. Yes, with partners. So how do you cope with that emotional and financial responsibility? <laughs> I give most of my emotional energy still to my two children and my grandchildren, and I think that's a natural thing. But I can honestly say that um, in relation to the family of my one of my first stepsons and the families of my current stepchildren, I'm very, very close as well to that group of grandchildren, um, particularly so. I do give assistance to all of them financially and otherwise from time to time. And do you have any advice for uh, any stepfathers? Um, I would probably say again cautiously that there's no doubt the nuclear family is the more ideal one because it would seem to me to give rise to less complexity, tensions and stressors. Uh, I think that would not surprise anyone to know that. It's relatively simpler 
Not that parenting is ever simple, but that is the ideal arrangement uh, with anyone who's honest. They would say abandoned families give rise to particular um, problems, issues, tensions, but they work. They have worked in my case, I, I presume to say, and particularly where I was widowed, um, not myself divorced, and wish to uh, repartner with someone who I have. Um, it can work, and where there is mutual respect and affection passing between the step parent and the, and the stepchildren, it can be very, very wonderful. But there can be a lot of, um, you do need a fair bit of effort, a fair bit of patience. I think I'd probably say step back a bit, let the biological parent assume the principal role. Uh, that seems to work best and just pause and bide your time and if one is reasonable one might slowly gain the respect of any stepchildren as they grow and realise that you have had their interest at heart as well. Oh very well said John and uh, quickly as well did you have you uh, learnt anything from your own father that then you've taken on board uh, in your parenting look my father was a wonderful fellow he died many years ago I was, I was myself a young adult mid-30s um, a quiet man um, went through the war probably suffered more stress and uh, trauma there than ever let on very much left parenting or decision making to my mother but my father was even uh, very reasonable certainly felt his great love and affection. So one, uh, one other naturally or by uh, nature or nurture will come to the view that having children is a wonderful thing, a very privileged thing. And um, you do take guidance from your parents either actually or subliminally. I, th I suppose um, my, I, I probably have picked up my father's habits in uh, deferring to the mother uh, or the stepmother whenever possible. I find that interview with John so very interesting and I think especially uh, because he's experienced being a stepdad with kids of all ages and then obviously he's had his own children. Uh, it also helps that I find him a very articulate chap. So thanks, John. And now before I play a song, I just want to give you a different perspective and that's the viewpoint of a stepchild. So we'll have a listen to a chat I had with Maddie, who, like John, has come from an interesting and large blended family. She can't remember her parents ever being together and her stepdad came on the scene when she was quite young and her mum and her stepfather are still together and have a kid of their own, so therefore a half-brother to Maddie, and that was when she was about 10 years old. And Maddie's stepdad also had three kids from another relationship. So uh, Maddie's also a quick note, Maddie's stepdad is also called John, but I just want to make clear that that is not the same John we just heard in that interview before. It's totally different families. So have a listen. Do you think it took a while for you to warm to your stepdad when he first came on the scene? I'm not actually sure. I don't remember it being hard. Like, I don't remember thinking, he's different, he's not family. I, he was just always there. And, and in a really nice way, he was really fun. He was really positive. 
influence when I was I was very young and um, provided I think a lot of support for mum and um, yeah so I don't I don't remember it being difficult initially at all no mm-hmm. and um, do you think because you the whole time you knew he wasn't your real dad mm-hmm. uh, it was sort of harder for you to have a relationship or it affected it at all because you were probably at that age where you understood it wasn't yeah, I think so. Like, I think my my dad, my biological dad, was relatively absent at the time. So John sort of was a, a really prominent father figure for me. Like, my dad moved a couple of hours away. I probably saw him every second weekend, if that, for quite a while. So it it was like he was my dad, except I didn't call him dad. Yeah, yeah. So that was another question. Did you ever call him dad or did you ever consider him to be your dad yeah I think I I probably do look at my childhood like I grew up having two dads so I had dad and I had John um but no I've never called John dad um I used to look at my actual dad's relationship with his now ex-wife and she had a, a daughter when they married and she called my dad dad, um, but I never felt comfortable calling John dad. So mm-hmm. yeah. And on Father's Day, was it? Did you you know go to your if you can remember or now you yeah. know do you celebrate it with both of them? Yeah, I I would wish them both Happy Father's Day. Um, I think probably pretty evenly spread across the two of them. Actually, I'd say yeah, pretty evenly spread. Um, and so was there, uh, any boundaries, um, you know, because he was a stepdad, Mm. you know, do you think he felt boundaries and whether you felt boundaries in, you know, just in terms of uh, maybe disciplinary or, um, emotionally and stuff like that? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I think mum imposed boundaries, mum has been a very hands-on parent and mum and I were extremely close and it was just the two of us for for quite a long time so she's sort of always been the disciplinarian isn't the right word but it's mum who I've looked to for guidance and for those boundaries and for the sort of rules and I think at times John would step in and and try to impose boundaries or rules that at the time I didn't really deem fair and I don't think mum did either because she'd usually sort of go her way on them instead of his but there definitely were struggles probably in adolescence which I think is fairly common in any family but um, I think it's it's heightened when for for mum and John was definitely probably heightened because I I probably didn't take much of what John was saying as far as rules went on board um, I thought he was a bit outrageous sometimes with the rules he tried to impose. <laughs> but that's life, I guess. You just sort of roll with it and, and mum and I are extremely close because of it. So you think your mum, um, and as well maybe because she knew John was your stepdad mm. and not your biology, she sort of tried to take control of, I guess, you know, parenting and, and stuff like that and asked John to take a back seat? And Yeah, I, I think mum did have and still does have a lot of respect for the relationship I have with my dad 
And I think she was very careful to make sure that I still saw dad as as my dad rather than seeing John as, as that figure. And I think that's, I admire mum for that because it must have been very difficult to be in that position where she was sort of the sole decision maker for, for me. And did, you know, was there any, did you feel any jealousy from your biological dad because your stepdad was maybe spending more time with you because he lived with your mum like you did or? Um, I don't think so. When I was younger, my dad wasn't in a great place psychologically and I don't think was in too much of a position to be very involved. So I think in a sense it might have been a relief to dad that I did have somebody else there who was able to to support mum in raising me. And do you reckon your relationship with your stepdad would have, you know, changed maybe for the worse, maybe if you were, you know, older when he came into the picture? Um, yeah, probably, definitely. I think I probably would have challenged it a lot more. Um, you know, there are things that when your parents are together, not that I can talk because they never were together when I was at an age I could remember, but... I think when your parents would have arguments, you'd sort of, you'd be in the middle and you wouldn't really pick sides if it was your mum and your dad. But if it was mum and John fighting, I'd obviously always pick mum's side. So that, I think, probably would have been heightened even more if he'd come along later. Mm-hmm. And having said that, when you got a bit older, did you ever sort of use the fact that he's your stepdad to, you know, disagree or challenge stuff he was telling you to do because you felt like he didn't maybe have the authority or no I don't I think I always respected that he he was my stepdad and he did the best that he could and I don't think because he's my stepdad I I would have disagreed with him when I was younger but I think we just are very different people and we had some pretty monstrous disagreements when I was younger yeah but I don't think that's sorry I don't think that's to do with him being my stepdad I think that's just due to us having very different views on a lot of things and your how's your relationship with your stepdad now oh it's pretty good he's pretty funny we get along quite well now I think once I got through the horrendous teenage years we sort of have have come together and we we get along quite well now um we laugh a lot it's it's a good relationship um I admire the way he is with all of his children and I think he's, yeah, I think he's a great person. How hard do you think it would be being a stepdad from your experiences? Monumentally difficult, I think. I think it would be a really hard job to come in on. And I think being a step-parent, you would be probably comparing yourself to, you know, your stepchild's biological parents. And I think you'd be wondering whether they'd ever love you as much as they love your parents and maybe wondering if if you'd love them as much. Um, I think it would be a really difficult job. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I think so as well. Hi. Simon. <laughs> Hi, Simon here, Vic's dad. You're listening to Father Figures on Sin Nation. Unfortunately, I don't have the rights to podcast the music I play on Sin Nation. I guess that just means you'll need to listen live every Wednesday from 7.30pm for all the wonderful dad tracks. Just stream it at sin.org.au or listen on your digital radio.
That was Jackson 5 with ABC, and you're back listening to Bartit Figures on Sin Nation. And just quickly, I want to get off topic uh, with a little dad fact and quickly explain why I played that song. And that's because it was co-written by Barry Gordon, Gordy, sorry, who founded Motown Records and signed artists like Diana Ross, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, and obviously the group we heard before, Jackson 5. So not only did Barry Gordy write that song and build the empire that was Motown Records, but he was also the father to eight kids with six different women. So that's a, probably they end up having a few stepdads in there. And the most famous of these was Rhonda Ross, who was his love child uh, that he had with Diana Ross. And she grew up with her sisters and said they all looked like their father, who was a six-foot-tall Jewish-American man, where she said she didn't. And she later found out that that tall Jewish man was her stepdad and Barry Gordy was actually her real dad. And also, it gets better, his youngest kid is Stefan Kendall. Now, I'm sure that name doesn't mean anything to you, but does the name Red Foo mean anything? Yes, that's right. Barry Gordy, the godfather of Motown Records, the most successful black-owned American music company ever, gave birth to Red Foo. Well, he didn't give birth, but it's his uh, his partner gave birth to him. But I wonder if he ever uh, fist pumps at his son's LMFAO concerts. I, I highly doubt it. Uh, anyway, back on track. Let's wrap up this week's theme of stepdads. So there is some controversial research through the 70s, 80s, 90s and into this century that shows young children, particularly under the age of two, living with a step-parent are 40 times more likely to be abused. And that's called, uh, the research is called the Cinderella effect. So the theory behind this is that biological parents have a genetic connection to their kids and develop a natural care mechanism. Now, this doesn't mean there is anything wrong with step-parents, but the natural connection doesn't kick in to the same extent with step-parents. So, of course, this research is on average and there are many stepfathers which we've heard on tonight's show that are very committed to their stepchildren and I'm sure there are many biological dads who aren't committed to their kids. But to find out more about it, I spoke to Professor Gregory Tooley who conducted some research regarding this in Australia. Do you think it, it, um, it can, the care mechanism and, and that sort of thing can be de- developed you know, quicker and, and stronger if, um, for a stepdad if, if the kid's father uh, isn't around, so they've passed away or, or something like that? Or is it I don't think, too... I, think, I, think, I think more likely the, the earlier... Um, yeah, it's a double-edged sword, really, because the earlier, I think, that the, the step-parent is on the scene, probably the more likely they are to develop a stronger attachment to the child because young children tend to evoke those mechanisms um, just by the the presence um, and and the the stronger the role the stepfather has in the care of the child earlier on, it's probably likely to increase his attachment to that child and and vice versa, the child's attachment to the the stepfather. Um, And I, I... but on the other hand, that's also the time of the biggest risk. Um, but we tend to what, what we tend to be talking in the really risky situations. They tend to be situations where there are other factors such as low socioeconomic status, stress, 
um, mental health issues and all the kind of added stressors that that um, that add to the whole propensity for violence in the home and so on. So we're really talking about a small group of stepfathers overall. Um, and there are other factors that, that are involved as well as step parenthood, but they just actually, it's, if you think about it, it's just more pressure on the system. And, and so if the system is weaker to, at some point, it's gonna break um, at that point. Uh, a, we a weakness is kind of a pejorative term. I think a vulnerability is a better term. So, and it doesn't matter what kind of stress, if it, it, any kind of stress will, will tax the system and in any, any sort of vulnerability is more likely to express itself under those circumstances. So it certainly isn't anything, that there's anything wrong with step parents. Um, it's, it's just that they don't have that natural mechanism to the same extent that biological parents often do. Yep, yep. And do we see the same sort of uh, results in research when we're talking about parents who adopt a, adopt a kid? No, we don't actually. It's a that's a really good question, um, and again, it's a rare, but it's a rarefied instance. It's a, it's a like I said to you a minute ago. A step parent doesn't choose to become a doesn't become a step parent because they want to be a parent. Typically, they become a step parent because they want to be in a relationship with an, a man or a woman who already has a child, and so they've kind of uh, incidentally fall into the role of parent. They might want it still, but by and large, that's not the primary reason for being there. Adoptive parents, however become adoptive parents because they really want to parent. And um, and so it's a self-selecting bias, I guess, in the sense that the people who tend to adopt children uh, are people who generally are better off financially, socioeconomically than um, people who, who don't. They have less stressors in that, in that sense. But also they're committed to parenting as a primary um, as a primary issue, whereas um, step parents are typically like I say, they're not there for that reason. Mm -hmm. And and your research goes uh, sort of further than uh, child abuse, and it also looks at the aspect of um, you know giving basic child protection and, and care as well, doesn't it? Well, the research that we did um, showed that we did we looked at it's the the issue of it's not just about not wanting to harm a child; it's about protecting a child from harm and being vigilant. Um, in the oversight of children when they're just going about their normal day-to-day -day lives and making sure that bad things don't happen to them. And so we did a, we assessed, we looked at the National Coroner's Information System. So it's a report of all the deaths around Australia uh, and they're intentional. So they're the, the criminal um, ones and there are the unintentional, which are the accidental ones, so car accidents, drowning. And the hypothesis we were testing was whether, uh, if step parents are at greater risk of harming a child intentionally, uh, albeit in an act of anger, uh, uh, are they also less likely to be as vigilant and therefore are stepchildren at greater risk of uh, accidental fatalities such as drowning and car accidents and so on? And the answer we found was yes, they are. Um, by that system, between two and a child under the age of five is between two and 15 times more likely to die of an unintentional uh, accident. Um, such as drowning or a car accident or some other accident um, than a child living with both biological parents of the same age in Australia, mm -hmm. with drowning being by far the most most common. Yep. And have you had a lot of sort of opposition to your, your findings and your research? And then, you know, how do you, what do you say to people if you have had uh, that? Well, it's been a combination of um, the... 
there's the people who like me who do the research and we try to be as honest and as objective as possible. And then there are groups who uh, will want to look at the research and, and, and either use it to put forward their own cases. And so I've had um, uh, men's groups who um, are in favour of, of the biological father being given more rights um, than they have. And so they've used this, they take the, they interpret this research as showing that um, children are safer with their, with their biological dads than having stepdads come onto the scene. And then there's also the, the people who find it um, confronting the whole idea that step parents, um, there's something innately evil about which that classic Cinderella myth, there's something innately evil about step parents. And um, that's not what we're saying at all, but it's the way the information gets used and interpreted sometimes. And so there's been resistance to some of that. There's been some international resistance to the whole, not just not our research, but, but the original researchers, Daly and Wilson, um, and they've had a lot of controversy over the decades about whether there are other factors that um, are producing their results, but it's about as one of the most undeniable things in science that you can have in the sense that it's been repeated so often as a finding. It's really not up for argument about whether it is whether the difference is real anymore, but um, why the differences exist and how we can minimise any negative outcomes for children. Well, I've certainly enjoyed hearing a lot about stepdads tonight and I think I can definitely appreciate that it is certainly difficult. But I think if you're a good person who shows compassion and respect, it can work out fine. Uh, as for Greg's research, I think it was uh, very interesting. Um, but there are a lot of factors, I think, outside factors uh, that you can't sort of pin one thing on them being step-parents, which I think he was trying to get that point across as well. So, uh, and I guess the dynamics will change depending on the involvement of the biological dad and if the stepfather, you know, also has kids of their own. Uh, so this stepfather's, it, I think it's very, uh, it can change a lot depending on each different situation. Uh, I think, you know, just like on episode one of Father Figures, I spoke to Carlin and, and he had a sperm donor dad he'd never met, so he considers his mother's partner, despite no bloodline connection, to be his dad because, you know, he's been there since the start and he was really proud of his uh, dad. So what, you know, I can understand, like most things, it's going to be different for every family. There will always be bad stepdads out there, bad biological dads, bad kids, but I'm sure there are a lot more good ones than bad ones. So... We're almost out of time, so I think I'll need to wrap up with my favourite part of the show. Hey, do you think your dad's funny? No. No? No, no way. Yeah, not really. No. Hey, do you think your dad's funny? No. Oh, no. Nah. No, no way. No? No. Not really. <laughs> no. No way. No. 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 Not particularly. <laughs> Does your dad think he's funny? Of course. Yes. Yeah, he really does. Yes, I think he thinks he's hilarious. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Does your dad think he's funny? Yeah, he does. Yes. Yes, he does. Yeah, I reckon. Yep. Doesn't every dad? Yes. Yes. Yes! Is your dad a fashionista? What's that? A fashionista. He loves his fedora. 
Oh, yes. Aren't they all? He thinks he is. No way. Nah, he dresses lame. Certainly not. No way, Jose. Jeans and joggers every day. A Crocs cool? Hell no. He tries to be. Oh, he thinks he does. Nah. Does your dad say things that annoy you? Every day. Almost every day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, what? Oh, yes, actually, quite regularly. Yeah. Every day. Always. Yeah. Uh, does your dad say things that annoy you? Yeah, quite regularly. Yeah. Yes. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes. Every day. Every. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There are some uh, strong opinions in that intro that aren't in favour of dads, uh, but I'm sure there are some dads out there that who are hilarious, don't embarrass you, and don't get on your nerves. And, you know, the rest only do it occasionally, right? So let's get into our dad joke of the week, uh, some dad fashion and that annoying dadism. As always, I ask every dad on the show about their dad traits. A dadism, you know, I know that my dad always says, I'm not sleeping, I'm just resting my eyes. But I think... <laughs> you... <laughs> Great cousin of mine is a grandparent. He says the four favourite words in English language that he now likes to hear are say goodnight to grandpa. <laughs> which, 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 which resonates with, I know, quite a few grandparents. After a very hectic day with three, four, five-year-olds running around and causing chaos. Dad fashion that's sort of a bit taboo, a bit, um, you know, something that <laughs> your kids aren't too fond of. As a general rule, my dress sense has been quite correctly bagged and ridiculed. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, my answer is if I feel comfortable, then I'm very happy. Thanks, John. So, uh, here we go. My dad joke of the week. I might uh, get the background music for this one to play us out. So, I went to KFC the other day. I didn't know Kentucky had a football club. Yeah, just let that one sink in for you guys. And dad fashion this week is pulled up socks. So, don't dads just love to get some nice white socks and crank them almost up to their knees. Now, I do prefer this look with some sandals, you know, the ones specialised for sort of exploring rock pools and, you know, a couple of straps done up tightly on the sandals. But, you know, it's still very clear you're wearing socks underneath them and then, yeah, the socks right up to that knee. So keep them at knee length, Dad. I like it. Um, and I'm sure there will be some younger trendsetters who soon follow suit. I think they're called hipsters. Uh, so my dadism this week, it's pretty simple, and that's do you think I'm made of money? I'm sure every dad has said this and every kid has heard their dad say it. No explanation needed. Do you think I'm made of money? And that's it for another great episode of Father Figures. Uh, you can check out the show on Facebook. Just search Father Figures or jump on sin.org.au. If you ever miss an episode, you can find the podcast online. As always, I'll be back next week at 7.30 for another episode. Also, get in touch on my social media if you have a dad story that needs to be shared. Tell your dad, tell your friends, tell your friends' dads, and tell your dad's friends. 
Thanks for listening and a massive thanks to all our guests who came on this week. I'm going to leave you with a very nice song, Cat Stevens with Father and Son. Thanks, guys. Hello, this is Sin National Radio. I'm Cedric. I'm age 92 and I'm Victor's dad's dad. 